Are you ready to dive into the Word of God? Then I invite you to stand with me, please, one more time. And out of reverence for the Word of God standing, let's read verses 15 through 17 of this great text, Isaiah 40. How big is God? He's bigger than the nations. That's what we learn from these brief verses. Behold, the nations are, and I will add to the scriptures doing no injustice to it, in the mind of God, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts the aisles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. Great text. God is big, nations are small. Join me in prayer. Father, we don't want this to be just another study, just another time in your book, just another church service, just another time together with people whom we love. Rather, Father, we want this to be an impactful time in which we see you and get to know you better. For our only hope in this life, for being freed from all that enslaves, our only hope for modeling a life that is content no matter what life throws our way, our only hope for making it even as believers is to know and believe our God, you, our God, are big. Father, there are people here who struggle physically, people who are struggling and we're not even aware of it financially, people who are struggling emotionally and mentally, all of us, Father, at some point or another, and probably even today more than we know, are struggling spiritually. Please help us to see that you're big enough to help us in all our struggles. And then help us to walk out with the joy of the big God, the Lord of heaven and earth, as our strength. And help others to be able to look at us and in some small way, see in a growing faith in the bigness of our God who loves and cares for his own. Father, for those who are here today far from you, who do not understand what it takes to have a relationship with you, our big God, may something be said today that will help them to see that you, big God, have come down in a big way but small way to touch every heart because you want a relationship as big God with every individual who's so small on this globe. Thank you for being our big God. May some come to know you today.
Jesus' name we plead this. For his sake we ask it together. And all who care to said, Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. How big is God? How big and wide his vast domain? To try to tell, these lips can only start. He's big enough to rule this mighty universe. Amen. Amen. Yet small enough to live within my heart. Say yo. That's my big God. And Isaiah 40 is all about that. This big God who is bigger than the nations of this world. We kind of get arrogant about the cultures that are in this world and our importance. When you take a look at the graphic that's on the screen before you, you understand that our round terrestrial ball is only one-fourth, in fact, less than one-fourth above ground, or above water, let me say. And over, or nearly three-fourths of this world is underwater. So only a fourth of the globe is made up of cultures or nations or continents that are... uh, inhabited by people. Now, the inhabitation or the population of the nations that you see listed and continents that you see listed on that graphic, they are anticipated to reach over 7 billion by the end of October this year. The truth is, By the end of September, they are expected to reach, or the population is expected to reach, over 7,200,000,000. And as of yesterday, it was 7,167,000,000. Now, I don't know who goes around to every hospital to see where the babies are born and counts those, but that's the best estimate they have right now. It's pretty big at 7 billion. To give you an idea of how big the population of the nations of this globe is, 7 billion. If you were to live 7 billion minutes, do you know how old you'd be? 13,200 years old. I don't plan on living that long. Do you? Don't think you want to be around that long from now. If you were to circle the globe and travel, flying in an airplane, travel 7 billion miles, do you know how long it would take you to reach circling the globe, flying in an airplane, airplane 17 billion miles? It would take you over 300,000 trips around this globe of ours, the earth. So seven billion is pretty big. And you take just one nation or another in this globe that sees itself as big, and, and you just think, what does God think of this big nation, America, or this big nation, China, or this big continent of Africa, or the big continent of Asia? 
how big is it? And all of them put together next to our God. And what our text is shouting out loudly and clearly is this. God is big, but the nations are small. Would you agree that there are some potentates or leaders of nations that forget that God is big and the nation they serve and they themselves are small? Do any of these faces shout anything out to you? There's a guy who forgot that he was not God and that God is bigger than he is. In the presence of God, he's condemned, I believe, in eternity. A man who killed by his order over three million out of one populace that he hated. He, in his arrogance, believed he was God and his nation and people superior to all other races of this globe. Lately, does this face say anything to you? Bashar al-Assad. Who is that? The leader of Syria. Who just sent with chemical weapons warfare into eternity over 1,400 people, 400 of which were children. And I don't know what you think about our nation moving in to do something about it, but there's a side of me that says you just don't let a potentate on this earth get by with killing kids with gas. Some are so arrogant that they forget there's only one big God. Authority has this danger in the human heart. It often, when men are placed in authority, leads to pride. I want to remind you of an Old Testament king. You know him by the name Nebuchadnezzar who at one point looked out over his vast kingdom that God had given him. God set him up and allowed him to move over the nations of the world, rolling over them until he conquered every nation on this globe known to man in that day. And he said, look what I have gotten. Look what I have done. Any problem with the heart of a man who says that verbally? That's the same king who earlier had said to three Hebrew children who would not bow down and worship an image of him, Nebuchadnezzar, the prideful king, arrogant king. They wouldn't worship him and he said, what God is able to deliver you out of my hands? You remember those teenagers' answer, don't you? I'm so glad we have some teens who know this truth, aren't you? So grateful for a church that leads them to this kind of faith. We are not careful to answer you, O oh arrogant potentate. We are not careful to answer you. Our God is able. What were they saying? Not with arrogance, but with humility. They were saying, sir... Our God is bigger than you. You may be bigger than us, but our God is bigger than you. 
that same king who was put in place and power by the God of heaven and earth was removed from that place of power and authority and position. He was removed from it by the Lord and God used a mental condition, insanity, and caused that arrogant king to crawl on his hands and knees for seven years, if I remember correctly. And he ate grass as if he were a beast of the field. And his nails grew long as if he were a bird with claws. And that insane man finally came to himself and said, There is but one God and it isn't me. It's the God of of Daniel, the, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen carefully. The question is answered by Daniel. Why did God bring him down from the throne and then set him back up again? Daniel answers it in the fourth chapter. So that all will know. No. So that all living man men will know that I am the most high God. That I am big God. Nations, Syria. Nations, Mr. Putin. Nations, President Obama need to understand, as do their leaders, they need to understand one and all, there is but one who is big, our most high God. One of the saddest days in our nation's history, I believe, was when our current president traveled this country early in his elected position and announced in several places America is not a Christian nation and he named off other religions that this is America no we are one nation under one big God That nation that loses sight of that needs to understand that that nation is blessed of God according to Proverbs 14. That nation that is righteous, righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness is just deeds, actions, goodnesses, that are submitted to the mind and will and commandments and words of big God. That's what exalts a nation. Not freedom to be who you want, when you want, where you want. Iniquity destroys the peoples, God's book says. That is when we do it as a nation our way instead of God's way. 
When we transform a family from God's commanded structure with a man and a woman and children born to them who are not aborted but given birth, life value. When we see marriage and family as a man and a woman, not he and he and her and her, then we are exalted. Don't let this world deceive you is saying that we are free to be what God does not allow us to be. That destroys many peoples. Doesn't mean we don't love those who don't do things God's way, right? For God so loved the world of sinners who are doing things their own way that he gave his only begotten son and to announce to gays and lesbians or those who take the life of the unborn or any other concept that violates the word of God to announce to them it is sin is not unloving. It is unloving to fail to give to them the word of truth and the hope of the gospel that pulls them out of that which has enslaved them and that which will destroy them. Now, having said all that, I want to bring you back to the text. I want you to remember what Isaiah 40 is all about. It's all about comforting my people. In fact, God said it twice in the first verse. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, God said to Isaiah. That's the goal of God in this 40th chapter. Why do they need comfort? Because they are being prophesied as going into or will enter into in the future at the time that Isaiah 40 was written, you will enter into Babylonian gar uh, garments, Babylon's captivity, and you'll be enslaved by Babylon. And then after that, I want you to know that I will bring you out of that bondage. So that is what will comfort you. And watch... What it is that the means that God uses to comfort their hearts. When you're in captivity, be comforted by the bigness of God. God's bigness is the means by which he comforts the hearts of people. Have you learned that yet? Listen, I just told you a while ago, our family heard the big C word in my dad's uh, prognosis and, and life. Many of you have already heard that big C word. What got you through? The same thing that's getting us through. We have no fear. We understand who is big. And it isn't the doctors, by the way. It is our God who is greater than all creation, including man's body that he created from the beginning of long ago. God is bigger. And that, that all that troubles us, and that, my beloved, is intended to be the comfort that he gives to his people. I'm convinced that one of the greatest ways to be a witness is when life throws you a curve not to fall apart, but to look to the big. God, having absolute confidence in him. And at that point, 
people begin to say around you, I want what you've got when I go through big stuff. And you have the answer. It isn't me, and it isn't within me. It is big God who has taken up his residence in me. That's what sees me through. Now that's the context. It's what it's all about. Now I want to bring you to what God says about his bigness. He's teaching us. He's already taught us. He's bigger than creation. Now he's teaching us in these brief verses we've already read that he's bigger than the nations. To God, nations are three things in these verses. In verse 15, nations are big word, infinitesimal. Say it with me, infinitesimal. Now, take your tongue, move it back a little further in your mouth and say it distinctly, infinitesimal. What in the world does that word mean? What does it mean? It simply means they are less than nothing. They are so small, they are less than nothing. Let's watch how he announces that. Go to verse 15 again. Nations in the sight of God, he says, are as a drop in a bucket. That phrase, drop in a bucket, you know where it came from? The Bible. That's where it was originated. It was originated in Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Someone in 1802 expanded it further and wrote an article about a drop in the, in the ocean. It just means compared to the whole, it's nothing. Listen. We just came through uh, a few weeks ago, about a month. We've only had our air conditioner on probably four weeks all summer long. I've not been used to that. I kind of like Michigan, finally. <laughs> it got pretty hot. Just, just put yourself back in those hot days and just uh, imagine if we didn't have cars and if we ran out of water at church and an announcement came to you that said, you need to bring a five-gallon bucket of water and you don't have a car and don't have a way of getting here, so you're, you're going to come to church anyway, right? Whether you have a car or not, you'll make it here? Yeah, you're so committed, I can tell. So you're going to carry, uh, because we're out of water at church and we're bringing 400 people together, so we need to have water here for all of us, and so we need you to bring a five-gallon bucket of water to church. And you start walking when it's 100 degrees to come to church outside. You can't put it in your car and drive it over. You start walking carrying the bucket. You get one block from, uh, from your house. And you notice in that heat that the bucket starts to sweat. And you walk another block and you watch as that sweat begins to build up and on the top of the bucket there's a little uh, build up of that water that begins to run down toward the bottom of the bucket and about the third block or fourth block from home the very bottom of the bucket finally what you've been waiting for occurs a drop falls from the outside of the bucket onto the ground 
Now, here's what you don't say. Phew! I can now make it the rest of the way because this five-gallon bucket of water weighs so much less. That's nonsense, right? Doesn't work. Listen, Mr. Putin, Mr. Assad, Mr. Obama, Hitler and Stalin of old, others in history and others who are yet to be set up as rulers of this world. There isn't a nation that is, that is anything more compared to the bigness of my God than a drop that falls off a bucket. That's my big God. Nations, we are so proud of America, and I am, I would not want to live in any other country on this globe, and I still believe it's the grace of God that has allowed us to live in this greatest nation of all history. But as great as this nation is, remember, next to the bigness of our God, though we're the biggest superpower this globe has ever known, we are less than the drop in the bucket. And if you don't get that, you need to study prophecy. Because I've been looking for over 40 years in, in ministry studying prophecy, and I don't find America having any influence in the final days. That tells me that this nation like all the other nations, Assyria, Babylon, and all the rest that have conquered the globe. We are nothing. We are infinitesimal. We're a drop in the bucket to our big God. And look at verse 15 again. Just in case you didn't get it with being a drop in the bucket, he adds this. And to our big God, nations are counted as the small dust on the scales. Nobody wipes dust off the scales for fear of being taken advantage of. Listen, how much does dust weigh? Have any of you ladies ever taken a rag and dusted your house? I, I'm not stopping there. <laughs> Have you ever dusted your house and when you got finished you thought, wow, I wish I had thought halfway through to get a different rag because this rag got so heavy by the time that I got halfway through it would have been easier to do the second half. No, dust does not make your rag heavy. There may be so much dust that it makes it dirty, but it doesn't make it heavy. I know from experience because Elaine has me do it once a week. You say, poor Larry. Oh, say it as though you mean it, though. Now, dust does not weigh significantly at all. What are you, America? Greatest nation of all. What are you, Russia? What are you, Syria? What are you, Iran? What are you, Colombia and South America? You're all big and mighty nations, most of whom have forgotten God. 
see yourselves as above him. He says to you, remember who you are. You're a drop in the bucket. And you're as dust on the scales. You're infinitesimal. And add to that what he says in the end. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. In his hand he can place the Jamaican islands and the Hawaiian islands and Key West, Florida and all the other islands. He can take them in his hand and lift them up. That's nothing. They are not heavy to him. They are a very little thing. I don't know what you think of when you think of a very little thing. We have colloquialisms like a needle in the haystack. Such a small thing in such a big pile. A toothpick next to a giant oak. What are the islands of the globe to God? In that day, very few could ever make it out to any islands. If they saw them in the distance, it was a dangerous and treacherous journey and a big deal to get to an island. That out there must be a big deal itself, that island. But to God, it's a toothpick next to a mighty oak. Nations, all the islands put together in nations of the world. You are infinitesimal. A drop in the bucket, dust on a rag, a very little thing to my big God. Don't leave it there. Verse 16 adds that they are insufficient, the nations of the world. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its bees, verse 16, sufficient for a burnt offering. You've got to know something about Lebanon. It was known for its cedars. And all the wealthy people of the then known globe would go to Lebanon to buy this valuable tree that grew, this valuable wood, cedar wood. All the potentates and leaders of old built houses and palaces for themselves out of cedar. Do you not remember David's statement? My house is a house of what? Cedar. Where did that come from? Lebanon. My house is a house of cedar. It's a valuable commodity, a valuable palace. God dwells in the tent. That's not right. And so David's son built this palace out of gold and out of all the valuable qualities and quantities of this world. Cedar was a wealth of made Lebanon a wealthy, wealthy place. And when you have forests like forests of cedars within that forest, you always have beasts. And what is it that God requires? The sacrifice of animals to cover the sins of his people. And God adds in this text, all the nations of the world do not have enough beasts to sacrifice, to offer me in worship, and do not have enough cedar to offer me in worship. You are insufficient in wealth to come before me and sway me as big God. See, the wealth of our nation, 
diminishing as it is, is really what makes us a superpower. It is with that wealth that we're able to create the greatest of defenses and the greatest of military offenses on this globe. And it makes us feel secure in ourselves because of our wealth. But let me ask you this question. Does our wealth make us secure from God and keep us safe with Him? Can we influence Him by our wealth? No, and a thousand times no. Our wealth is insufficient to sway big God. Because He owns it all anyway. We don't. Lastly, verse 17. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing, worthless, which simply means that all the nations of the globe, past, present, and future, historically, presently, and prophetically, all the nations of the world are insignificant to him. They're a big zero. Here's what I want you to do in your mind. Take in your mind a number two lead pencil. Do you remember when you had to have those for school? Number two lead pencil. Sharpen it and take a blank piece of paper and draw a great big zero. That is what the nations are to our big God next to his bigness. That's how big we are. Insignificant. Zero. But it doesn't stop there in this verse. The Lord wants to drive it home to those who are enslaved, who think that the power that's over them is bigger than he is, who have no hope because they've forgotten how big God is. He says to them, now take the other end of the number two pencil and erase the zero that you just drew on that blank piece of paper. And after you've drawn the zero and erased it, what do you have? Less than nothing. Those who see their safety and security in their big nation, those who feel so powerful as leaders of their big nations, need to understand next to our big creator God, what they are. They are insignificant. They're infinitesimal. Small. They are insufficient. Poor. They are insignificant. Worthless. Less than valuable. That's what the nations are next to is that a timely message or what? Your turn. So, Israel needed to know that her God is bigger than Babylon. That's the nation that we talked about earlier that had rolled across every nation in the then known world and conquered every one of them. And Israel had fallen to Babylon. You've got to understand, they were on the other side of this prophecy. We're on this side. 
We already know it's been fulfilled. Babylon destroyed Israel and Jerusalem and took them away captive. And if they could conquer the people of God, oh my, what hope do the people of God have? God wants them to know Babylon is infinitesimal, insufficient, and insignificant next to your God. Be comforted, even though you're enslaved in exile. Now, I don't know what enslaves you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I know that there are people here, and we have no idea, people sitting next to you right now feel like things are happening that are bigger than they are. And they just need to be reminded. But they're not bigger Nothing is bigger than our great big God. Believe that? Now, church, is God big enough when if in just a few months here we'll be ready to put a search committee together and gather two, three, four hundred resumes Is God big enough to pull the one out of those resumes and say, this is your next servant leader? Hello? God big enough to do that? Yeah, I think so. Is God big enough to take that leader in the future and the rest of the leadership with him and the current leadership? Is God big enough to take them and Use them to impact our culture by asking you to follow them with the vision God's given them. Is God big enough to use them and influence them? Hello? Yeah. Is God big enough to be trusted to guide the leaders? I think he is. I'm just here for a breath. But like every church, I've been around long enough, and I think I've been here long enough, you know I love you. And that I can say, when you don't think leaders are moving in the right direction, don't talk to others. The Bible has a name for that. Sowing discord. Among the brethren. Now don't shoot the messenger, okay? Still love me? Hello? Could I suggest that you talk to someone bigger than the people of this church and your dearest friends and even the current leaders whose hearts are united about the direction we're going in? Could I tell you there's somebody bigger than all of them? The greater answer to protect the harmony of the body is not to sow discord among the brethren. The greater answer is to appeal to the God who is far bigger than any nation. Therefore, he's far bigger than any church or any group of leaders. And 
and I'm not so arrogant as to believe that I or the leaders of this church always are moving in a perfect direction. But I'm big, uh, I believe that God is able to transform and change direction at any point in time when he is pleased to do so. Let God be God. There are some things I've asked God to do in my life. And here's what I've learned. I told you before. You want to make God laugh telling your plans. It's like God has ways of saying to this guy, you are not God, I am. Amen. God has ways, and I beg of you, be very careful how you communicate to each other. God has ways of bringing every one of us to the place where we say, he is God, not me. He did it with Nebuchadnezzar. He'll do it and has done with me. Grateful that he does that. I want you to believe in the bigness of God and learn to talk to him above all to accomplish his purpose. All who care to said. Now let me ask you a question. We're getting ready to sing here. Do you love our country? How would you like to sing, sing together, God bless America? land that I love. Big God, stand beside her and guide her with the light from above. God bless this country because if big God doesn't, all the arrogance within us, within our nation and among our leaders will be stamped out at some by God who will have no other gods before him. My friend, if you don't know this big God, this is a great opportunity while we're singing for you to come forward and ask those who will be standing here at the front, tell me how to know and to have a relationship with this big God because my life is so bound, so unhappy, so how can I have great victory? Come and let us introduce you to this great God. And let's sing this as our power.